Hello everyone and welcome back to the 31st episode of the Sport of Love podcast. And today I'm absolutely privileged to have one of the greatest Paralympic runners um, ever on the podcast. It is none other than Mr. Michael McCall. Welcome on, Michael. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, it's a privilege to be on the podcast and uh, I look forward to the chat. So I suppose we'll start like, was sport like always the big thing in your household and stuff like that? For me growing up, sport was a massive uh, part of my life. Um, my dad was a PE teacher. Um, my mom and dad both were athletes. Um, so when I was born and diagnosed with my disability, my, my, my parents used sport as my physio. So they used it as, um, didn't matter what sport it was, they got me to play it, they tried it, um, just to help with my, my cerebral palsy and my condition to try and improve my, my ability and functioning and movement on my right side of my body. So pretty much all sports. My dad was, a a fitness coach for one of the local um, hurling clubs where, where I lived when I was young, when we grew up. Um, I played a lot of golf when I was younger. Um, I did play soccer um, for up until like under 13s um, and then packed that in to really focus on my running. Um, but no, really, really um, I played a lot of sport and could play half decent level of most sports. Um, but uh, yeah, sport for me is life, and uh, I, I enjoy most of it. And when did you like zone in on athletics and decide, like, right, athletics is my sport, I'll, I'll stop all the other sports and just focus on athletics, really? Yeah. The school system that my dad had created whenever he was uh, coaching the school team that I, that I attended, um, the program he had set up was pretty much on a an elite level scale. Um, we trained four days a week during during school time, um, and then we on the weekends we would train twice. So it was kind of like. Already, I was training six days a week, maybe five days a week when I was really younger um, from an early age. And uh, I just got myself into a really good routine. And uh, that was more at an age, probably about 13, 14. And, and that's whenever I got really into it. And obviously, obviously with having my disability, it gave me an opportunity to compete in para sport. And because I competed able-bodied sport up until then, I was still, I was competitive straight away in para sport and that's kind of what gave me that little bit of edge when it came into para sport at that time um and yeah using the able body kind of athletics setup as as, as my uh, go-to to to improve and then come back on paris on the para stage so i was 15 when i competed in my first para event um but i really started taking it serious as a, as a sport that i loved probably around the age of 13. And, like, did you always want to, like, win medals? Or do you, at the start, like, you're like, okay, I enjoy this. I'll keep it going because I enjoy it. 
but we always like fight a lot of win medals in the sport. For for me, obviously growing up, I I wanted to follow in the footsteps of my dad. Um, and he had ran for Ireland before, and I had obviously been brought up as an able-bodied child. I didn't really see myself as any way different. Um, if I had never competed in para sport or I never found out about para sport, even with my condition, I still would have competed in athletics. I believe uh, whether or not I'd be in it at 30 years of age, I'm not sure because obviously I'm sure university and other scenarios would have kind of taken over my life at that stage and getting a job and things. But obviously with my condition, it led me into para sport and has given me a platform to, to be a full-time athlete for so many, a number of years. And it, it's given me that um, opportunity to turn a kind of negative people would call it into a positive and make it a, a dream come true for me. But yeah, for me, I always wanted to become the best athlete that I could be. And I used all the kind of the negatives that people put upon the word disabled um, and, and put it in the best possible way. Yeah. And I know you've been to four Paralympics now at this stage. Like, just kind of like sum up what that experience was like. All the experiences are completely different in a way because when I was in Beijing, I was only 18 years of age. I was a novice. I didn't really understand. I was in Beijing. It was a culture shock. It was... Mind blowing the stadium that I ran in. Uh, the expectation I had never I had won a world title when I was sixteen, but that could have been a fluke. Um, so I really had to live up to people's expectations from such an early age. Um, whereas whenever you come to London, it's a home games. Um, my parents, my family were there, my grandparents. So you had a little bit more pressure. People were aware of who I was at that stage. Um, the media attention was a lot greater. And Parasport was kind of like really being showcased for the first time. So I believe like that was more of a, like it was a more of a stepping stone to becoming a big name or try to, to build a profile out of London. Rio was um, one of them ones where you just kind of take off. Um, the build up to it with the Zika virus and all that wasn't ideal. Um, I just picked up a niggle a couple of months before going away. Um, my blood results weren't great. So I was just glad to get Rio over and done with. And then Tokyo, I was, I'd got myself back into really good shape. I was really positive. I believed that I could win a medal. And then we all know what happened in Tokyo. And uh, it didn't go to plan. And it's kind of left me where I am today. I am in a bit of a conundrum, um, wondering what, the future holds for me but um all four experiences i'll take away all positives as well obviously the the only negative that i could probably see obviously was my performance in tokyo but the experience that i had in tokyo was amazing i got to experience a lot of different things i got to be around other athletes in the paralympic setup that won medals for the first time and got to have teammates that performed really well and, and that for me is also a bonus um with being around people that you're friendly with and, and seeing them do well yeah and not many people can call them 
Never mind a one-time Olympian, a four-time Olympian. Not many people can say that now. Like, hopefully, I'll be able to call your career has been absolutely amazing. Like, I I can't remember 2008 because I was only uh, let's say four years of age at that stage. Oh um, Jesus! Uh, yeah. I was born. Yeah, I was born in two thousand and four. So yeah, I would have been four at that stage. And yeah, I can remember two thousand and twelve. And obviously, I can remember twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. Sorry, it was past. Um. And yeah, I. I'm just privileged to be sitting here talking to you. Like, um. Would you have any like? words of advice for like a aspiring Paralympians or just anyone like anyone in general like for for me obviously the love of the sport that I had um was from an early age and it was before I even knew I was disabled as such and before I really knew that I could compete in para sports so Having the ability to love the sport is all the the hardest thing to come about. Um, I know there's many a people that have been in the Paralympic setup and have came into the sport and are good at the discipline or the sport, but don't love the sport and don't have the passion and the belief for for it. So, for me, there's a, more of a, a meaning, a meaningful, and if you can really fall in love with the sport and the event that you're doing it makes the performance so much easier because you know yourself you're doing it not just for the medal but you're doing it for satisfaction of your, you wanting to be the best athlete that you can be so I would always say to yourself is to try and find the love and the passion for what you're trying to do and I guess that's for anything in, in life in general um, if you want to be good at something or you, you want to try your best try and fall in love with it first and then perfect your performance and, and perfect whatever you're going to do. Um, and yeah, for, for me, as soon as you, you find that, you got to make sure that you're enjoying it because if you're not enjoying it, don't do it. Uh, that's the, the big key probably point I would make also is like you got to have to be having fun. You've got to have a sense of enjoyment every single time that you go out for a run um you got to take the positives away don't always look on the negatives and uh, that's very hard for a lot of people to do but it's necessary for you to do it to to keep your head level um and making sure that you're enjoying yourself yeah and would you have any like models that you live by or anything like that yeah like i've got on my website and our other kind of like stuff I would always say in my presentations the one thing I always live by is the the, the ability to to believe in yourself and you can achieve what what you believe in is because the, the belief comes from the heart um obviously the passion and stuff comes from your heart and without passion or love or desire you're not going to be successful um and you're not going to achieve what you want because you can be the most talented person in the world you can be the best shape in the world but when things get tough uh, in a race or an event or anything in life if you don't have the the drive and the hunger and the love for it then it's never going to be you're not going to succeed 
So I would always, I would always say, if you believe, you will achieve, and 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 I have stood by that for my whole career, and and I've tried to be the best person that I can be for myself, and then everyone comes after that, obviously, because if you're not doing it, if you're just doing it for someone else, also is another fact that you got to be doing it for yourself firsthand, and then the other people will follow you. And would you have any like role models or anything like that? My role models would have been my parents, and it kind of sounds quite cliche, but the reason why I would select my parents is because whenever I got diagnosed at two years and 10 months with my, my, my disability, they were told that they didn't know what would happen with me. They didn't know if I was going to end up in a wheelchair because back in the early 90s, um, they kind of cerebral palsy wasn't really studied as, as much as it is now. It's not very well understood back then. So uh, it was kind of early on um, where kind of science hadn't really been kind of delved into as much and they didn't know how severe I would become. So that's why my parents took on the role of trying to make me the best human that I could be, make me the most mobile, make me the best with my speech and stuff because I struggled with my speech um, for a number of years. I couldn't talk until I was like three. Um, and these are all small factors that my parents put upon themselves to try and help and change. And I'm privileged and lucky enough to say that without them, that I wouldn't probably be sitting here chatting to you today. And uh, they have just given me the platform to be the best person that I could be. And, 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 and as you've seen, I've been quite successful, obviously, over my running career. And, and I would feel like um, that's down to them. So I would say they're kind of my inspiration. And I know um, your mother uh, presented you with her gold medal in London 2012. Just what was that experience like? Because to be given a gold medal by your mother, like an, an, a Paralympic gold medal by your mother, just must have been amazing. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. It was history making in a way. My mom became the first parent to give their child an Olympic or a Paralympic gold medal. So um, the only other parent that had presented their child with a medal was uh, Princess Anne, Sarah Phillips, I think it is, is her daughter. So the, the equestrian. So for me, for my mom to have kind of um, that as she's in the history books is, is quite cool and unique. Um, and to have that feeling of her presenting me with metal was very special because the amount of effort and time that she had spent to me when I was growing up, she gave up her job so that she could bring me to physiotherapy and speech therapy and stuff. So, yeah, it was kind of like whenever she presented that medal, it was kind of like we had achieved world domination. We had achieved kind of what we had set out to be is to be the best form of yourself and the best form of myself was being a Paralympic gold medal in, in the 1500 meters on that night. So yeah, I think her hard work, my hard work, um, and the support of my, my dad obviously had, had put us in a good way. And it was nice to be able to spend them um, a couple of seconds and moments with her to, to kind of take it all in. And what's next for Michael? Or do you know? What's next for me is um, look to the future in terms of my running. Uh, World Championships are coming up 
in uh, August of next year. They're in Kobe in Japan. So um, currently at this minute in time, I'm dealing with a little bit of an, a niggle in, in my right foot, but um, I'm working on that. We've, we're, I'm in a rehab process. I've got my treatment and I'm just trying to stay as positive as possible. Um, and hopefully I'll be back on the the roads and, and doing sessions in the next probably two to three weeks. Uh, and then it's full steam ahead for the, the up and coming season um, and just build and stay strong and be um, controlled with it all and not be carried away and, and then be prepared to, to get into road races and the, the start of the next next year. And then further on than that, then we'll look at uh, the early track season um, and yeah, probably heading to Portugal in January and stuff like that. But that's just, all dependent on how my foot reacts to the treatment that I've had and, and hopefully that uh, it settles as soon as possible. And what would like a typical training week look like for you now? For me now at my age, kind of it would include two double days. So it would be a Monday and a Friday where I would run in the morning and run in the evening. Um, I would have two gym sessions, which would be um, on Wednesdays and Fridays and then I would have two workouts which would be Tuesdays and Saturdays um, so yeah in the winter time it's more longer reps more endurance based more miles the max mileage I would probably get up to now with my body and, and how my feet um, I would probably only get up to about 55 miles at max in the winter time and then I would be reduced to 45, 50 mile in the spring, summer when I come onto the track, when it's more intense and kind of more about quality rather than quantity. But um, like my long Sunday runs would always stay the same. It's You're, you're talking 12 to 14 miles on a Sunday. Um, and that's just part and partial of the, the, the end of the week training. So um, yeah, collectively it all comes together, but not one good week will make me a good athlete it's about being able to consistently put 12 weeks of hard hard graft training back to back is what's going to get me in a position to to be competitive next year and um i need i need that consistency and without consistency i'm not going to be able to be on that podium but i believe um with the consistency that i've got over the last year um leading up to tokyo and then if i get another eight nine months in the build-up to World Championships next year that'll be, be put me on a, a good platform to to win that medal that I believed that was possible in in Tokyo and fortunately it wasn't to be last this year. And I know you've got quite a few uh, awards, like besides Paralympic medals and stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to think of one now. I was in the Paralympics in 2012, and I cannot think of the name of it for the and life it's, of me. It, yeah, it's 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 hard to pronounce. It's the Wanyon Dai Award. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That that award basically was given to me back in 2012. Basically, one male athlete, and one female athlete were selected out of all the athletes. Um, who basically showed the spirit of Paralympic sport so looking at their performances not on the track but outside of of, of their performances on the track and um, I've always been a person to try and build awareness of 
of Paralympic sport or disability awareness across the island. And, and that for me is what I've tried to do over the last, or not months, years. Um, so in 2012, it was lovely to be recognised for, for the work I've done um, in the local community and further afield. And, and then obviously, most recently being uh, awarded an MBE from, from the Queen as well was quite nice um, to be recognised, obviously living in Northern Ireland and um, the work I do in the community in Northern Ireland as well is trying to break down a divide and doesn't matter who you are, it's what you are. And I think as, as people with disabled disabilities, we can resonate a slightly better than the able-bodied people because we, we are different and we do stand out and it makes it a lot more easier to break down the barriers in my opinion than 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 just one one kind of one side or the other so it was nice to be recognized and for the work that i've done also in northern ireland and um it's a it's a, it's a great honor um to, to to be awarded that medal and uh, and that title and um yeah f for me uh, it, it's amazing to be recognized for the, the work that i do off the track as much as i do on the track and I forgot to give you your full title at the start. You're you're actually a doctor, a doctor, Michael McGillip. Yeah, I, I was given a I was given a, an honorary doctor from Queen's University in Belfast in 2013, um, for my services kind of the sport as well within Northern Ireland. So, yeah, I've picked up a few a few awards over the last number of years. But to me, I want to be re remembered for my performances on the track and. And hopefully the, the work that I do off the track can kind of collide with that to make it uh, a more, a greater understanding of, of what I kind of stand for. And I stand for the fact that we all need high performance sport, but also people need to be made aware that high performance sport is out there and you can get there, uh, but it's with a bit of belief an understanding of, of, of who you are and what you are and, and what you want to become as a person to to be the best version of yourself and and not to compare yourself with someone else. You just got to compare yourself to yourself and, and be the best person you can be. Well, Michael, um, just want to say it was an absolute privilege to talk to you. Um, and I've taken a lot away from this and I'll just leave the last word to you if you want. Well, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, I wish you all the best with more podcasts in the future and I look forward to hearing uh, from other guests that you've got on uh, and best wishes to yourself. And hopefully this podcast can get you more attention uh, and get you into the job uh, that you would like to do in the future as a, as a young man. So uh, good luck and thank you. So I just want to say a massive, massive thank you to Michael for coming on today. It was just an absolute privilege to talk to someone with his success. And I wish him all the best with his rehab and his future competitions. Mm -hmm.